Welcome to worship at Providence Presbyterian Church on this Sunday, October 4th, 2020. We are located at 2401 Broad Avenue. Fall is here and the fellowship team would like to help celebrate this beautiful time of year. We are inviting you and your family to a casual get together at Valley View Park on Sunday, October 11th, immediately following our 10.15 a.m. worship service. You will drive to the park and we will gather in pavilion number one. Social distancing will be honored. Valley View Park offers a disc course and some walking trails. Please join us as we have some fellowship time together. A sign-up sheet is posted in Fellowship Hall. Thank you to all who continue to clip the saved expired coupons since the beginning of COVID siege. A smaller package of coupons was sent to the Naval Base in Japan this month, and we will continue to send whatever you clip, virus or no virus. Remember, they can be used on the base for up to six months after the expiration date. Thank you for helping our military families overseas to stretch their dollars. For those of you who do not feel comfortable attending church yet or have underlying health concerns, we would like to remind you that our podcast will still be available on the website www.providencepc-altuna.org. If you do not have internet or computer availability, you can listen to the podcast via telephone at one 857-385-7521. Please note that long-distance phone rates apply. It is our hope that these weekly podcasts have been a blessing to you, helping to strengthen your faith during this difficult time. We would like to ask a favor of you. Would you please take a minute of your time to call the church at 944-7258 sometime this week and tell us that you listen to the podcast. If no one answers the phone, please leave a message on the answering machine. You don't have to leave a name if you don't want, just that you are a listener. Thank you in advance for doing this. We thank those of you who are currently able to support the church with your offerings. It truly is a blessing in enabling us to keep current in paying church expenses. Now, let us prepare our hearts for worship as we listen to the prelude.
please rise for the call to worship. Whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. As the scriptures promise, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Let us pray. Holy God, maker of heaven and earth, out of your great love for the world, you sent us your beloved Son, whom we sent him to his death. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Forgive us, renew us, restore us, so that we may be the people of your vineyard and bear good fruits for your holy reign. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Whatever good we may have done is nothing compared to the righteousness of Christ. Whatever wrong we may have done is nothing compared to the grace of God. With faith in God's righteousness and confidence in God's grace, let us confess our sin. Let us pray. Loving God, you have planted us like a vineyard on a fertile hill. You cleared away the stones, planted us with choice vines, and kept watch over us by night and day. But we have not yet yielded to the good fruit that you have expected or desired. We are overgrown with sin, choked with violence and injustice. Forgive us, we pray. Uproot our evil and prune away our sin. 
and shower upon us the gift of your grace, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our salvation does not depend on anything we have done, but comes from the grace of God alone, through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the good news. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Let us prepare our hearts for hearing God's word as we join in our prayer of illumination. God of all wisdom, give us your word and send us your spirit so that we know Christ. Amen. Our reading from the book of Psalms this Sunday is Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to our eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own ears? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Our gospel lesson this morning is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. <clears throat> when the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized the servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them in the same way. Last of all, he sent them his son to them, and they will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. And so they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard come when he comes what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, 
Have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on the stone will be crushed, broken to pieces. Anyone whom this stone falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Here ends our readings from God's word, and may he bless them to our hearts and our lives. Amen. We continue here this week in the book of Matthew, the 21st chapter, verses 33 through 46. We're in the midst of a, you could say, almost debate between Jesus and the chief priest and scribes who are in charge of the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus had come on what we call Palm Sunday. He had entered the temple, had driven out the money changers and the sellers of the animals. The next day, the chief priests and scribes came to him and asked him by what authority he did these things. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus told them, if you can tell me by what authority John has had his baptism, I will tell you. They said they couldn't. So Jesus said, I won't tell you. And then he told them a parable about a man who had two sons. And that was last week we looked at that. And we see even though the first son didn't first said he wouldn't do what the, the father wanted, he did go. And But the second son who said he would go, didn't go. And Jesus brought out the fact that the first son is represented by the what the, the chief priests would have called the sinners and the prostitutes, the people who they consider were unrighteous, because these people, despite whatever else they did, believed the message of John, came confessing their sin, and were baptized in the Jordan. We have here the next of these parables that's going on between Jesus and the chief priest. But this one's a little different. I mean, most parables, we talk about parables, most parables just have a single point that represents something in real life. The rest of it just is part of the story. In this passage, we have what it's actually is an allegory. An allegory, most everything in an allegory stands for something else. The most Traditional allegory I can think of is Pilgrim's Progress. Allegory at one time was overdone by Bible scholars hundreds of years ago and has fallen into disfavor. But we can't get around that this passage is an allegory. He says, listen to another parable. And it is a parable, but more than a parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. I mean, many people did that. They would clear an area of, of land, prepare the soil, and plant some choice vines. But this landowner went the extra mile. He says he put a wall around it to protect it from uh, thieves and from uh, predatory animals. He dug a wine press in it to press the wine for the juice right then and there so that the, 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 the grapes would not spoil 
He said that he built a watchtower. A watchtower was to watch out for these wild animals and the thieves and also provide a place for the tenants to stay. But it says that when, you know, and this was common in Jesus' days, once he had planted these, these beautiful, luxurious, luxurious vines and had dug this uh, beautiful vineyard, prepared it, he rented it out, rented it out to tenant farmers. And like I said, that was common in Jesus' day. The idea was, the, you know, the landowner would say, okay, you take care of the vineyard, you, you know, raise the crop. When the harvest comes due, you give me a share. And it was agreed upon share of, of the harvest that the landowner would get. That would be his rent, so to speak. And the rest of the harvest would be belong to the tenant farmers. But there was something not too good about these tenants. I mean, like today, some people I know here, and you might know of others who have rental property, you got to watch out for, this is called the, the parable of the wicked tenants. The wicked tenants are people who refuse to pay the rent, and who, uh, when they, you can't get them to leave even though they won't pay. Uh, they damage the property before they go out. These are wicked tenants that have this man's property. It says, when the time for the harvest came, he sent them some of his servants, perhaps they were slaves. He sent them asking for his share, his rent of the harvest says that they beat one, they killed another, they stoned a third. says then the landowner sent them other servants, more than the first time. Now we don't know really if that means they were more in number or they were people that had more authority in his household. But they treated them the same way. You know, they beat them, they stoned them, they killed them. Finally, it says, and last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son, he said. Now, we might think the landowner is being kind of thick here. Wait a minute. They didn't listen to, the, you know, they didn't treat your first servants right. They didn't treat your second servants right. What in the world would make you think they would really respect your son? We will see that the landowner who represents God in this passage, was not being thick in head, but thick in heart. That he's a God of compassion, of forgiveness, long-suffering. So when the tenants, the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir, come, let's kill him and take the inheritance. And You know, there's no reason to believe that they could get the inheritance for that reason. The, the, you know, the landlord would not, you know, to, to claim the property, the landlord would have to abandon all claim of a harvest, but the landowner wasn't doing that here. But they thought if they killed the son, they could keep the property for themselves. So they took him, and threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. And Jesus says in conclusion, therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do when he comes? What will he do to those tenants? 
Well, without much thought, you know, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the other people who were listening to them responded, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end. And he will rent out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, if we were among the crowd that day, the chief priests, the scribes, the people, we would have seen many passages of the Old Testament. The idea of building a choice vineyard, building a wall around it, and uh, putting a watchtower in it, that made people think about the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, because God said to through Isaiah that he had taken the, you know, the nation of Israel like that they were a vineyard bearing fruit for God and he planted them choice vines that they might grow and bear fruit for God. But the prophet Isaiah said that the people of Israel had not borne fruit for God. And so God's judgment was coming upon them unless they would change their ways. They would repent and turn back to God and bear fruit for God. So the, you know, that was the part of the background here between this parable of these wicked tenants, a vineyard. God had a vineyard. And the tenants, these were the chief priests. These were the scribes, the Pharisees, the leaders of the people. They were responsible for watching over the temple, which was the presence of God. They were responsible for teaching the people to fulfill the covenant. Oh, yeah, they said they, these men said they fulfilled the covenant. They made all these laws, which were impossible for the people to obey, and they didn't even bother keeping them themselves. But that, you know, these were the tenants. The servants were the prophets. They came bringing God's message. And the prophets were mistreated by the people of Israel, by the leadership of Israel. They were beaten, they were stoned, they were killed. It says, and then he sent the Son. Jesus is the Son. He came to this world to show us God's love. He came to this world to draw us back into right relationship, the people of Israel, right relationship with God. But they wouldn't listen. Instead, they rejected him. The chief priests and the scribes had him arrested, hauled him before the Romans who crucified him on the cross outside the city, outside the walls of the city of Jerusalem. They said, you know, the people said, when he said, what will the owner of the vineyard do when he comes to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end. And he will rent that vineyard to other tenants. Sometimes that's translated as the Gentiles. But I think more properly, it's translated as the church, which is made up of Gentiles and Jews who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
God has given to us the vineyard. It is now our responsibility to bear fruit for God's kingdom. But, you know, Jesus goes on here. He says, have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. Once again, they saw the Old Testament. This time, Daniel. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Had a dream of a huge statue. The top of it was gold. Then it was silver. Then it was bronze. And then it was iron. And then it was a mixture of iron and clay. And that there was a stone that was broken off the top of a of the of you know the hill, and it rolled down the hill and struck the feet of mixed iron and clay of that statue, and the statue crumbled and fell to the ground, but the stone grew to fill the earth. The idea was the Son of God would come and he would destroy the kingdoms of this world and set up the kingdom of God. That if people rejected him, they would be destroyed. Well, when the chief priest and the scribes and Pharisees heard these words, you know, if maybe they were the ones who were a little slow on the uptake, because you know they looked at the very end here, they look at each other and they say, "He's talking about us. He's saying that we're the wicked tenants." That we're the one, and that he's the Messiah, he's the Son. And that when we, we reject him, our authority is going to be taken away. And yes, Jesus was saying that. They rejected Jesus, they put him to death on the cross. He rose on the third day through the apostles and the Christians. The message continued to go out, but the people of Israel continued to turn their backs on God. They did not fulfill their mission. What was their mission? Their mission was to let the world know about God and God's love. And God is a God of compassion, long-suffering. They were, they, they, their mission was to lead other people to God. They thought their mission was to be the special you know, they were the special ones. God loved them and he didn't love anybody else. They did not get that mission right. Because they continued to rebel, the day came when the Romans came, destroyed the nation, destroyed the temple. Now people could say, you know, there are people have used this parable for anti-Semitism, and that's not what it's talking about at all. God has not totally rejected his people. That's brought out in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul. But now the message goes out to anybody, Gentile or Jew, who will hear the message and will heed and will listen to God. So that includes us today. That includes the people outside the doors of the church, but it also includes the peoples inside the door of the church. Let us not fall into the trap of thinking we are God's special ones. And that we think that you know the, the mercies of God are for us and us alone. 
by the way we live, by what we say, we are to share the love of God, the grace and mercy of God, that he's long-suffering, patience. The day will come when he will finally bring judgment, but he holds off that judgment again and again and again to give us opportunity to come. We need to make sure to proclaim that message to those among whom we live as a congregation, as members of the congregation, as members of families. We need, you know, because he's speaking to us. And thinking upon this, you know, the apostle, um, I remember the apostle Paul's words in Corinthians where he says that God had taken the Gentiles you know, he had, God had this, his, his people Israel, they were a choice vine. But they were rebellious and would not bear fruit for God. God took, it says, God took the Gentiles and, and took part of them away and took these, these wild vines, these Gentiles who had no part of God's family, that God took them and engrafted them into the vine, that we are now part of the family of God. That's us, the church. But, God's, but God then told the prophet, the uh, apostle Paul, and Paul told us that you know, God say, well, just be careful. Don't think about how special you are because God has made you part of his family. That, that you have done nothing to deserve that. It's the unmerited grace of God. And if you fail to bear fruit as well, then the same end will come to you that came to the unbelieving Jews. God will pick others. Because the message of the kingdom will go out. God's you know, patience will continue to go until the day Jesus comes back. The stone rolls. The kingdoms of this world are destroyed. And the kingdom of this world becomes the kingdom of God. God, through his son Jesus Christ, will reign forever and ever. Along with those who carry forth this message, who bear fruit. May we bear fruit by sharing God's love to all whom we talk to. Amen. Would you please join together with me in the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. Amen. Now let us prepare our hearts for prayer.
Father God, we join together to thank you for your grace and mercy. That at one time we were wild vines, separated from your kingdom. We rebelled in many ways. But you were long-suffering, you were patient. How many times have we heard the message before we responded? But we thank you that we did respond in faith, that you've made us part of your family. Help us to be faithful, sharing the message of your love, of your grace and mercy with all those around us. May we never, ever think we have a special corner on your grace, for your grace is available to all. We come before you today We thank you that you are a God who hears and answers our prayers. We ask you to meet the needs of those gathered here and those of their families and friends. Heal the sick. Comfort those who are grieving. Strengthen those who are weak. Give wisdom to those seeking direction. Be with your people as we prepare for our national election. Give us wisdom and guidance. We thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. We draw now to hear the, you know, to hear the prayer of great thanksgiving and to receive the Holy Communion. Let us pray. The Lord be with you and also with you. We lift up your hearts we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. We we give you thanks, O God, through your beloved servant, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent in these last times as Savior and Redeemer and messenger of your will. He is your word, inseparable from you, through whom you have made all things and in whom you take delight. You sent him from heaven to the virgin's womb, where he was conceived and took flesh. Born of the Virgin, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was revealed as your Son. In fulfillment of your will, he stretched out his hands in suffering to release from suffering those who put their trust in you, and so won for you a holy people. He freely accepted the death to which he was handed over in order to destroy death and shatter the chains of the evil one, to trample underfoot the powers of hell, to lead the righteous into light, to fix the boundaries of death and to manifest the resurrection. And so he took bread and gave thanks to you and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup saying, This is my blood shed for you. Do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remembering therefore his death and resurrection, we set before you this bread and cup. Thankful that you have counted us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you as your priestly people. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon the offering of the Holy Church. Gather into one all who share these holy mysteries, filling them with the Holy Spirit and confirming their faith in the truth, that together we may praise and give you glory through your servant Jesus Christ. 
Through him, all glory and honor are yours, Almighty Father, with the Holy Spirit in the Holy Church, now and forever. Amen. Now let us join together in that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now take the bread and eat. Take the cup and drink. Let us pray. Loving God, you have given us a share in the one bread and the one cup and have made us one with Christ. Help us to bring your salvation and joy to all the world. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Love, forget what lies behind, look for what lies ahead, and press on toward the goal, the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Now may the face of God shine upon you, so that you may be saved, 
May the grace of God live within you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope you have been blessed and God has been glorified. May you have a God-blessed week. We look forward to you joining us again next Sunday and invite your friends to listen. Thank you.